0: Welcome to the Lucky Titan podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What's up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. Today we're here with Luke Peters. Now you guys, this is a guy, I've actually told your story, Luke. I haven't even told you this. I probably told your story 50 times on this show. Because to me, it was one of those stories where I was like, I wish people would meet, people like you, where you're one of those guys, you're not a flashy business, right? You're not the kind of guy who's out there. Like, look at me. I do marketing. I do something like really sexy. You're like, I'm a manufacturer, (laughs) but you've (laughs) built this massive empire. And when we had you on, again, I'm not going to say revenue numbers here on anything, but big numbers, guys, I'm talking big, big numbers, but you did it all starting from your garage and building it up. Now it's was what, 21 years. Is that how old your company is? 21 years. But now you're now working with a PE firm, which is one of the things I really want to talk to you about today because we've been talking about it for like 30 minutes at this point. But I really wanted you to come on, share your story a little bit of what's been happening because as as everybody will know, we're doing a series right now. We're bringing back some of our favorite guests, having them share what's been happening over the past three, four years since we last talked with them. So Luke, I'm stoked to have you here first off. But I want to dive into this a little bit so tell us a little bit about New Air's journey over the past even 3 to 5 years.
1: Yeah, well thanks again for having me on Josh. Really appreciate it and congrats to your uh, success as well. So, it's <laughs> thanks. It's really, really cool to see that. I've tried the podcasting. I like I was telling you, I got to 100 episodes and it was fun, but it's definitely challenging and a lot of work, so so congrats <laughs> yeah. on that. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. No, we, yeah. Last three to five years, you know, the company newer. So we do specialty appliances, wine coolers, beer coolers. We're really focused on like the enthusiast categories and things that we can have a lot of fun with. So the culture is fun. It's innovative ice makers and just trying to make really cool, fun products that people are going to want. Most of them will have a plug or pretty much everyone, everything has a plug and it's compact. And so leading up into this time, by the way, we did start D2C. So old school SEO, those are my roots, new school marketing. I get it, but I hand it off to the experts now and we grew the team, but I, there was kind of like a breaking point. I would say it wasn't a breaking point, but it was just kind of like the company grew to a certain size and it needed a transition for the next level of growth. And that's where I just started focusing on people, you know, and i wish I had done that sooner. So five years of just really focusing on bringing in the best people and then getting ourselves ready to become an investable business. So meaning prior to that, you know, had a great company, but Hey, what do investors want? You know, they want financials they can trust. They want systems. They want a management team that understands the business because most investors, most of them don't want to run the business. They want to invest in the business. Sometimes if there's a, you know, another company or some sort of synergistic purchase, they just want the whole company. But we just, I basically had to work on preparing the company to become investable, things like getting audited financials, right? Which is like, you know, as a younger entrepreneur, I'm like, whoa, no way I'm going to pay, you know, $50,000 to have my financials audited. Okay. They're, right. they're they're good. Like, why do I need to pay somebody else for that? But it, it's a discipline for that the company has, because in order to do that, you know, you got to have really great financial people. You got to have a great controller and a great CFO. And what does it give you? Now I can you know, companies who have those types of financials can go work with the JPMs of the world and the big banks, and they can get asset-based lines at like really, really low interest rates versus, you know, if you just have kind of the lower systems, maybe you're not going to be trustworthy to the big banks. So everything kind of has, you know, it was all set up to become that investable company with a great team. Okay. And then along the way, there's all these things that we had to do.
0: Yeah, well, you know what's been unique, Luke, is like as I've been interviewing you and you know a lot of other successful people, and it's just finding that getting past that million dollar barrier, it usually isn't a marketing or a sales problem. Usually, you've already kind of got some sort of system that can produce sales. But like you mentioned in there, it's team, and then it's it's the stuff that nobody wants to think about, which is auditing the financials, making sure you have your legalities taken care of, and you know the sort of things that nobody really wants to think about. But those little things are hireable which seems to be what you've been excelling at as, as far as prepping your company for investment. So walk me through a little bit of that, of what that looked like as for your team, as far as like, who were the, the key hires to help you prep for investment?
1: Well, actually, so we'll take a step back. A lot of times, uh, smaller companies, they won't have like a real clear hierarchy. And a lot of times, you know, we, you know, maybe the entrepreneur will be doing all the work and kind of getting his, his or her fingers into everything, right? So the idea is like, what does a professional firm look like? You know, you've got a head of finance, a head of marketing, a head of sales, distribution, sourcing, HR, probably leaving something out, but you follow me? So it's like all the main departments hire the best possible talent. That was kind of the mentality. And of course there was, you know, along the way you learn and you learn what's good and what isn't and how to do that hiring, what the process should look like and who you should work with. But basically just kind of like realizing that really solid professionals who care about what they're doing and have done it before. That's the other thing I learned is like get people who have done it before. Okay. Cause I don't have that experience. I'm not a CFO, right? Right. So someone who's been there, done that, and you bring them into your team, it's like rocket fuel. So those are kind of the areas that we focused on. And it took a while, you know, cause you don't just hire a head of finance. You got to hire the whole team. You got to get the controller. You got to get all the, you know, and then along the way, the other part was, and again, you know, maybe a lot of the audience may not need all of these pieces, but for us, we need a really good ERP. Okay. Like a, you know, a system that the company ran on. Right. Right. So, you know, anybody starting out should really make sure they've got a solid financial system, even if it is just QuickBooks online, but something that and they're doing everything through it properly and tracking all of that so that they know what their margins are at the end. And that allowed us to do that. You know, you got to have, you know, per customer PL product margins all the way through with all the cost allocated correctly and, and gap accounting, you know, and, and setting up financial in, in a gap format accruing properly, like all of these things that are important and you're going to need that team to do pay huge dividends later on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But you know,
0: it's funny and that's a great team to have. Because I have my undergraduate in finance. So I thought I understood numbers. So I'm like, Hey, I can do this myself about three yeah. years in. I remember bringing on an accountant and having him run it through QuickBooks. And I'm like, I'm doing a 60% margin. He's like, no, you're doing like a 20% margin. <laughs>
1: totally exactly.
0: What the heck? <laughs> Where's the money all being lost, you know? But yes, I agree with that. entirely. So how big is your team right now? Are you able to say that?
1: Yeah, we're about 50 50- in cyprus california we're mostly like pretty much somewhat remote okay like obviously yeah. the operations we have a big warehouse you know 100 we have 115 thousand here we're opening 100 on the east coast and so wow, awesome. so we have a big footprint there and we'll grow the team more quite a bit this year but we also have a solid team in the belize they handle all of our customer service we've got a solid team in mexico they do a lot of that team is built all the way up to like 10 people now or something like that yeah. and just a great team handling you know helping with like marketing some finance over there, design, graphic design. So yeah, we're pretty diverse group and somewhat all over the world.
0: I was gonna say, and that's, the reason I was curious about that is I I'm like, some people, again, I wish I could just share numbers. We'll keep them quiet here. (laughs) But I'm like, man, the size of company you have, having that small of a team is honestly crazy that you've been able to do it so well to grow so big because a lot of companies your size are like, oh, I have a thousand employees. I'm like, how do you even pay yourself if you have a thousand employees?
1: (laughs) yeah well you know what if you hire the best possible people i think is you know is kind of the mentality that we have right so try to get the best talent
0: well and i mean i love that first off and we have to cruise to the interview here this is what sucks about having 20 minutes it's not enough time to ask all the questions i want to ask but the big question i have at this point is like you know you've you've been prepping for investment and everything as well but a lot of the companies listening to this or doing, you know, a million or maybe even sub a million and they're trying to decide, Hey, like, do I scale? Do I, do I pivot? Um, at what point would you say, Hey, maybe look into investment. Do you think that's that early on? Or do you think that should be something like a decision made later on the exit? decision? Mm.
1: Yeah. I think probably it's too early for most of those companies. I mean, because I think the entrepreneur it's okay. First of all, as you know, it's a very mental type of job. Okay, you're going to have your highs and your lows. So you got to be really careful not to make a bad decision when you're having your lows. Yeah. Um you're just you know, what's someone going to be left with if they exit, you know, on a million dollar business? They're going to have to go right back to work. So, if you've got something that's working, I would say what that pivot might look like or scale might look like is focus on the team. I'm now I'm assuming the product's solid, right? So first you got to right. focus on the product. So, that's everything. But after that, you know, focus on building the team, which is Another word for saying, focus on building your business. Right. Yeah. Building yeah. the business. So bring, it, Yeah. Bringing in an expert, you know, someone to match, obviously sales and marketing is the first place probably that somebody should bring those expertise in because just because then usually the entrepreneur is generating the sales and marketing. So, okay, bring somebody in who can do that. Now you don't have a job. Now you're, now you're making a business, you know, now somebody is working on the business when you're not. And there's a little bit more of a, you're probably going to have better energy to continue with the company versus being, I think if people exit when they're at a million, it's probably because they're grind, they're just grinding, you know, and, and it's just like beating them up and they want to get out. So that's a way to kind of say, hey, get back in it because you're not going to get a big enough cash out. And you could if you take that thing to say five million EBITDA or try to hit that magic number, a million dollars, you know, on the profit side, then it's really going to be worth something. Yeah.
0: I, I would agree with that. And that's why I was just kind of curious because I was coached when we were right around the middle and they're like, they're like, Hey, you should go out and you should be the acquirer. So be acquiring other companies. And then, so you're mm. building up a big enough asset. And it's not even like, Hey, you're coming at this from an investor perspective. You're coming at it as, Hey, I need to build a large enough asset that makes me purchasable. <laughs> and so from my perspective, I was like, Hey, I could invest in other companies, but nobody was even looking at it buying our company because we're not even on the map yet for a PE firm, especially. So, for you guys, you've recently just had a PE firm enter with you guys, right? They've uh, they've invested mm-hmm. with you guys at this point. Yep. Are you allowed to share names and everything with that?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That part's all been sent out. So it's called Guardian Capital Partners, They're out of Philadelphia. Fantastic firm. They're just kind of like us, you know. We're kind of a scrappy company. A humble group and just work hard, and they are the same way. And they have a fantastic team. So we still run the business, you know. They assist us with a lot of other expertise, and the idea is just to grow together for you know the next exit.
0: Love that. And so, how did you choose them? I'm just curious because, like, you know, like you and I have talked about. I've worked with a lot of VC firms and PE firms, and a lot of them, you just they're just jerks. <laughs> just not fun uh, to work with. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just curious yeah. how you picked one without fear.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well. Well, here's the other thing, especially for like, you know, entrepreneurs who are maybe, you know, if some of your audience is like get good advisors. Okay. Get find a way to get good advisors. It could be the problem with some of the networking groups is like you know, sometimes you might be surrounded with a lot of companies your same size. Try to find people who are like 10 million, 20 million, whatever, just a lot bigger than you are, because they they've been there, done that. And I had some really good advisors who have been through the PE multiple I had like three of them actually. So they really helped guide me. And these are not, you know, when you go to when you go to market, you got to go work with business, a bank, banking firm, and they're going to take you to market and do all this, promote you and put a book together. This is separate. These are just advisors I had been working with for years. And um, basically, you know, you get to interview all the PE groups. So we had a lot of interest. We had choices on who we wanted to work with. So that's good. Not everybody's is, you know, we were really fortunate to have that opportunity. Sometimes you may only have two or three companies that are or groups that are interested in investing, and then you're going to have to decide who to go with. But yeah, so- that's a long answer. Short answer is we had some choices and uh, worked out with a good group.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you ended up with it. And I want to discuss kind of the, the deal here a little bit, because I hope we can open people's minds. Because I talk about acquisitions a lot on the show and, and we have a lot of guests talk about it and and the ways to go about buying. But I wanted to just kind of prove the point with your story here is that there's not just yeah. one way to buy or sell a company. It's not like cash out or nothing, right? It's not buy or, mm-hmm. f- or whatever. It's like in your case, you sold a percentage of the company and you're keeping a percentage of the company so that you can almost double dip, right? Yep, yep. So walk us through yeah. that detail.
1: Yeah, yeah, so well, typically like a PE deal is just like, I mean, I guess in the old days, they just call it like a leverage buyout. So they're bringing in their own equity. Then the company that's acquired oftentimes, again, they don't want to run the business. They're buying the management team and the company and they it's an investment. So I still retain a large minority. They buy the majority. And also there's you know a chunk that's set aside for some of the key staff at the company as well. So there's there's opportunities for a lot of people to grow. That's also a really nice part of it. Yeah, and that's how most of the deals work. Not all of them, there's different ways. And it also depends on the size of the company. Sometimes with smaller companies, it's gonna be 100% buyout, it might be an earnout. So the bigger you can grow your company, kind of the more opportunities you're gonna have because these deals are really expensive for them to do. Okay, and since they're expensive, they're not looking at companies generally, they're not looking at companies that are maybe at a million dollar level of profit, even a profit. It's so much work that a lot of times PE groups, their minimums are going to be like 5 million. Okay. And that's kind of where they'll start. So that gives a good idea of now for marketing companies, it could be different, but there's I, I generally- that's about, that's about right. Yeah. Is that about right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. a lot of dollars you know, on their part and a lot of diligence and time and everything to to do the deal. Well, I
0: mean, it's like when you buy anything, right? You don't want to have to pay an agency- to do work yeah. for you and then have to do it yourself you know and it works yep. the same way when they're buying your company they're like i don't want to have to buy this failing company and try to fix it and bring my own people they want to buy a successful company that's working that they say hey i can just fuel this and we all went off of it so i, I love to see that happen So there a lot of shady people in that space so you have to be careful with who you who you end up partnering with but i think you give you found a great firm so, hey, we are coming up to the end of the interview here though. So, I, so Luke, I just want to ask you two questions. So the first one is like, what's next, where are you guys going? What are you trying to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, we just keep building great appliances. So we just recently had a partnership with stone brewery. I don't know if you know who they are. They're one of the, one of the fastest yeah. growing breweries and a lot of fun. Like their image is a lot of fun with the gargoyle on the, on the, uh, on their designs. And so now we're making beer coolers. We got their cool design team at work there. So doing more projects like that, you know, we're getting into just a lot of fun beer, ice, and wine categories. Others as well. We do heating, cooling, all kinds of refrigeration, but we're really uh, gravitating towards a lot of these fun enthusiast categories that are really talkable. So our marketing, we like to work with influencers. So we want to make products that they want to show off on their social channels and that are fun and engaging and that's kind of separates us. Yeah, I love that.
0: It's cool you guys have an influencer strategy. I wish I had more time cuz I would have dove further into that, but <laughs> um yeah. just to kind of wrap up the interview, what would be your final parting piece of guidance for our audience?
1: Yeah, I mean the final thing would be to make sure that you charge for the value that you're delivering. So, uh, just a couple of quick things. It's like a lot of times because we were just talking about this pre show, right? It's like the margins oftentimes aren't where they should be for a lot of young entrepreneurs or starting out marketing companies. I mean, you got to be making 20%, you know, at that point, otherwise you have a job, not a business. And the other thing is, you know, don't hesitate to hire people as soon as you can, good people and learn that management skill because to become investable, you're going to want a team around you. And when you have that team around you, it's going to reduce your stress. It's going to allow you to push that company harder, bigger, faster, and longer. So those are the, uh, the main things I wish I'd done sooner.
0: I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast.
1: If you learned anything
0: from this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with another entrepreneur. It could help. Thanks again. And I'll catch you on the flip side.